Well, welcome back to another episode of Theology Doesn't Suck, where hopefully, uh, as always, theology doesn't suck. And if it does, then perhaps you should file a grievance. But here's the thing. All grievances have to be written in triplica and submitted by mail that may or may not get reviewed in six to nine months. Um, So that's how that works. And anyways, I'm Josh Patterson, (laughs) and with me is Marty, and I should not do intros anymore, Marty. You You need to take over from now on. No way. That was great. You know, I was also going to say another requirement of if you've got an issue, it needs to be submitted in Sanskrit. Um, <laughs> and so uh, if, if you don't speak Sanskrit, then you're just out of luck, because that's actually the only written language that Josh or I know how to read. Well, true. OK, maybe that's not true, but <laughs> uh, well, I lied. Forgive me. Yeah. But, you know, Josh, it's one of those things like. Uh, th- this is actually one of the fun things that I've done this with this podcast. Like we've had minimal, like, I mean, there's been once or twice where someone's like, I didn't agree with this or like once or twice where someone like messaged us and wanted to have like a weird conversation. Like we had talked about on the doctrine or dogma episode a few months ago. Um, but like for the most part, like people don't really complain about our stuff. Maybe it's cause we're like actually kind of good at this. Like, I don't know, like, I, 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 I don't want to like pat ourselves so on the back take or the like arrogance approach. Yeah. Or like be egotistical or something, but like, it's either that we're like the worst at it and people just realize like, Oh man, like it's not even worth talking to them about it or we're just not bad at it. And then people are like, Oh, like that's pretty good. Like I, that was actually not bad at all. Like, and so like they don't have any complaints. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, maybe. I think hopefully, I mean, hopefully what I, what I would want it to be, the answer to that would be that like, hopefully we just create an environment of honest conversation and don't put off like a, like an arrogant or judgmental vibe. Like we're just willing to, to chat with various people about various things and, seek to understand each other. So hopefully, yeah. hopefully that's what, that's what we're good at. You know, um, well, we I don't think at a lot of things. We're just really I don't know, good man. at <laughs> I'm not good at pretty much. I can't think of like one thing that I'm just like, yeah, I'm really good at that. I don't Well, maybe NHL on PS4. I'm really good okay. at that. All Ask right. my wife. Maybe I play that too much. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't played it. Uh, well you should, and I'll kick your butt and it'll be great. You right. know, I'll even let you be the Chicago Blackhawks, Marty, and I'll well, be I'll be some like minor team from the AHL. I'll be the Hershey Bears and I'll still beat you. How about this? How about you be the Detroit Red Wings and pull your goalie for the whole game? <laughs> All right. Sounds good. So. We'll try it and then we'll 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 give our listeners the results when it happens <laughs> Sounds I don't good. know when. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, um, speaking of hockey, we have a guest with us today who is, if I'm not mistaken, actually from Canada, like lives there and stuff. So we should probably bring them on and talk to them about some cool stuff because yeah. <laughs> they wrote a I book. Like it. Yeah. So with us today is Josh Tremblay. And how are you doing today, Josh? I'm pretty good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So I think maybe something we should do, we need to distinguish, because if Marty says, hey, Josh, what do you think about this? You know, we could both get really confused. So Marty, how you have to solve that problem, because, you know, it's not our fault that both of us have a really good name and you don't. Um, Okay, so here's how we're going to solve it. If I say, hey, cool, Josh, I'm talking to Josh Tremblay. (laughs) And if I say, 
Hey, bad hockey team fan, Josh. I'm talking to you. All right, that's uh, whatever. Well, we don't even know. We don't even know if if Cool Josh has a good hockey team that he likes. So maybe we should ask him. So you you are in Canada, is that correct? That's correct. Yes, born and raised. What what part of Canada are you in? I'm on the far east coast. So um, not the furthest part, but Halifax, Nova Scotia. Oh, very cool. So when I think Halifax, I think of the Halifax Highlanders. Do you have any idea who that is? They're not uh, real. Yeah, that no. Yeah, that's <laughs> is that uh, I, I've heard the name, but I, I'm not familiar with them. Yeah, they're a fic- they're a, a fake team uh, from a movie called Goon. So oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I've seen that. Yeah. So who? I think they used to be a hockey team back in the day. Oh, really? Like way back. Okay. Yeah. I might have to do when I was a kid, it was the Halifax Citadels. Okay. Uh, and now it's the Halifax Mooseheads. Oh, very cool. All right. So, well, who? So we, as you probably know, uh, we ask everybody who their favorite hockey team is, which is a super important question to Marty and I. Can you answer that question for us? Yes. So my favorite NHL team is certainly not the Washington Capitals. That oh, must yes. be the worst team. <laughs> uh, in the words of Tony Kornheiser, they are choking dogs. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> Got him. Uh, I, I'm a Pittsburgh Penguins fan, and uh, Sidney Crosby is from this area. He uh, of is. course, so is Brad Marchand, but I can't like Boston. Right. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, he's from this area, and uh, I moved my allegiance over to the Penguins when he got drafted by them, and uh, it's been a good run so far. Yeah, it's been a. I would say it's been a very good run so far. <laughs> well, of course, as a Washington Capitals fan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, so I like as much as I have disdain, you know, for the Penguins and stuff. I also I think I like and value hockey too much to just be one of those people that are like, oh, you know, so-and-so sucks just because I don't like the team. So, like, I will acknowledge, like, yeah, Sidney Crosby's really good, and people who say otherwise probably don't know what they're talking about. But <laughs> the yeah, Caps know, are still hockey, my team. Hockey is, like, the one sport that I know of where, like, everyone has pretty much, like, a total mutual respect across the board for like other teams just with like you know like you, you look at another team and you're like oh man like that team is really good like even though like you know it's like it like for me as a blackhawks fan like in the early 2000s it was like oh man like we hate the canucks like we hate the canucks so much but we didn't hate them because like we hated them we hated them because it was like a formidable opponent that we had a lot of respect for although i will put a disclaimer on that where I went to college was in upper Michigan. And I would say most Red Wing fans, not all, but most Red Wings fans were the exception to that rule where they were just like, we hate Sidney Crosby. We're going to call him Sidney Crybaby. And like, they had all these nicknames for people, but like <laughs> I, everyone else was like, Oh yeah. Like he's a great hockey player. Like, like what's the problem? <laughs> so yeah. like, yeah, it, I would say, Hockey's the one sport where like there's usually like a mutual respect across the board, not only by the fans, but I think also by the players too, which is really cool. Except for the Boston yeah, I, Bruins. We can all agree on that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, they're yeah. 
Uh, I used to live in southern Ontario, like right by Michigan, and I, I can attest to what you're saying. The, yeah. The Red Wing fans, which I used to be a Red Wing fan because I'm more like I have a favorite player, and then I kind of follow that player. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so I was an Iserman fan. He was uh, my favorite player of all time. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, when I lived down there, everyone's a Detroit fan, and they had no problem uh, calling everyone who they didn't like bad some, names. Some sort of name. I was <laughs> a big Sergey names sometimes. Colorful yeah, I, names. I was. I was a big Sergey Fedorov fan, even as a Blackhawks fan. Like I just had a ton of respect, like so fast and so so speed, so good with the puck and. And then, like, and then Pavel Datsyuk came along. So it's like the Red Wings have had like a player like that for like three or four decades in a row of just like total speed and total finesse with the puck. So you know, but Josh and I, you know, Josh's and I could probably talk about hockey all day long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that's probably not why you came. You know, came here today to to talk about hockey. So perhaps we should move on. Also, for our listeners who you know. The cool ones like hockey, but some of the other ones who still need to repent, you know, of their, you know, dislike of hockey and stuff. We'll move on for their sake uh, because we're loving and accepting people. Um, so anyway, uh, perhaps maybe what we should do is uh, just give you a chance to introduce yourself. Like, who are you? Uh, what do you do? Uh, like, what's your family like? Those kind of things. Yeah, sure. Uh Josh Tromway and uh, again live in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. And I have a beautiful wife, Sarah, who I've been married to for 11 years. And we have four kids who we had within four and a half years. Wow, sounds like me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So our youngest, our youngest is just turned four uh, last month. And then the next one up is five. And then the next one is seven. And then my oldest is eight years old. And uh, it was funny. My wife told them, you know, because school's not on right now. So told them that uh, you have to be quiet because I'm in my office and I'm on a recording. And my oldest says, oh, is that the podcast where the guys always talk about hockey? (laughs) Ah, yes. Nice. Nice. We need to get like a, a, a theology doesn't suck number one fan T-shirt out to you just for that. Yeah. <laughs> First, we have to get those made. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh, I'll hop on yeah. that right when we're done here. <laughs> Sweet, no, that's awesome. So um, you, th- so specifically, uh, we wanted to have you on today to talk about um, a book that you wrote, and if I if remember correctly, it's self-published, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so it's a book you wrote. It's self-published. Uh, it's available on Amazon and, and other places. Uh, but your book is called uh, Hidden Faces. And so uh, yeah. we just have some, some questions uh, about your book and, um, you know, really like just the idea. Uh, it really focuses on this idea of identity. And we, we really kind of want to dig into to some of those things today. But I guess uh, for starters, can you just uh, share with us like, um, you know, how did this book come to be? Why, why did you write this book? What was your motivation? Maybe what, what problem were you trying to solve? Kind of motivate the, the book for us. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I, first off, I always felt that, uh, I was to write. So whether people bought it or not, that's regardless, but I always felt that I was supposed to write. And, uh, I was actually listening to, uh, 
podcast called Unseminary. I don't know if you've ever listened to them, but it's like church logistic type things. And he talked about how he self-published through Amazon and and how probably most pastors out there have a book in them. And so I did this series called Hidden Faces at my church, and, and uh, it's on identity, discovering who we are through who Jesus is, who he declares we are. And I've just found that it kind of resonated with every single person uh, in the crowd, uh, young and old, didn't matter the demographics. Uh, it was one of those, it was just one of those series that just really took. And so I decided, hey, why not? Let's, uh, this seems to be an issue in a lot of people's lives. So I want to expand it and I added a couple more uh, chapters to it. And, you know, really what, I, what I'm hoping is that we can, uh, that people can just kind of become rooted in who Christ declares them to be. Because I, I see so much of this wavering back and forth, even within the church, of allowing other things to define us other than what Jesus has declared we are. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think, I mean, I think that's a huge, um, you know, a huge felt need, especially, uh, so I'm a youth pastor and I work with students and, um, like a lot of things that they talk about, a lot of struggles that like I, so I specifically work with high school students and a lot of struggles that they go through are these, you know, struggles of identity. Um, you know, like who am I, what is my purpose, you know? Um, especially, you know, I just had a, a bunch of my students leave high school and they're, they started at college this week, like brand new. And so there's all sorts of, you know, identity questions wrapped up uh, with them as well. You know, like what, what am I going to college for? Should I go to college? You know, all those, all those kind of things. So I think it's a, a huge felt need. Um, yeah. So I know it, it connects with me uh, personally as well. I don't know, Marty, if you had any thoughts. Yeah, I, I took a, a class uh, when I was at Gordon-Conwell um, that really kind of spoke into uh, just our story and who God has made us to be. And a lot of times uh, we can we can kind of be on a path in life that's along what God has for us, but then we can also make decisions and go different ways and, uh, and like find identity in things that aren't what God has for us, find identity in different ways. And just and then as a, as a worship pastor— um, I think one of the things that I've been trying to work with um, is not only the identity of our church uh, as far as individuals are concerned and people like on the worship team, but like what is our identity as worshipers and like as a church? And like what, what does that look like for people? Uh, or, you know, are they identifying as worshipers of the Lord? So like th- that's definitely stuff that you know, I really hear that and resonate with that too, for sure. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so uh, basically, you know, with working with students and, and being in the church, I've noticed that even from outside of a religious perspective, this idea of identity is just huge. Like we're constantly being marketed to, we're constantly being told like your identity is not good unless you have this product, uh, that kind of stuff. So why do you think, like, why is identity such an important issue? Why does it matter so much um, overall? Yeah, I, I think we try and define ourselves by things that just leave us empty. And I believe that really is the lie of the enemy to try and destroy our lives. You know, uh, you know, we see in Genesis 3, you know, the serpent's tempting Eve and it's like, well, you're not really who God says you are. 
And, you know, when we look at advertisers now, isn't that really what they're saying to us? Well, yeah, you're not quite good enough, but if you get this car, you know, then yeah. you will, you know, then your family will look really good. You, you know, you buy this lawnmower, then your lawn will look just as nice. You buy this shirt, well, then you will look good. And, uh, and I know we just kind of buy this lie that this next thing will somehow fill the void. And it's exactly what happened, what we see in the scriptures, what it's saying to us. And uh, we just end up in this cycle of trying to fulfill ourselves, but it, it all ends up as not. Like, it just doesn't fill us. And, and I think, you know, Jesus makes it pretty clear that he's the only one who does. And, you know, so we, we get caught in this cycle of hopelessness. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think it's it's interesting that you bring up, um, you know, Genesis 3, because when I always, I always think about, like, there's this idea that sometimes propagated in different, uh, you know, theological camps that, like, oh, people are just pieces of crap, they're so evil, they're so wicked, they're vile, like all this negative stuff, which I think also there is some truth to it. All of us have, you know, sin in our life and things like that. But also when we talk that way, we kind of forget about Genesis 1 and 2 and like the identity that we are given in God as, you know, created to be image bearers, you know, kind of like N.T. Wright uses this idea of like a, a double reflecting mirror, mirror that reflects the characteristics of God to the rest of creation, but then also we reflect our worship and praise back up to God. Um, and like people are creating us that we're very good, <laughs> you know? And then Satan mm-hmm. comes in, like you said, and, and kind of pulls that away from us. Like, oh, are you really who God says you are? Um, and then I think we just continue to see that even propagated uh, in our theology. Like, oh, are we really who God says we are? Like, ha- have you ever thought about it that way before? Yeah, like... In Genesis chapter 1, it says three times in a row, you know, we were created in God's image. In God's image, we were created. Like, And whenever it says something three times in the Bible, it's really trying to articulate something to us. I always say it's like they're trying to say, sit down, shut up, pay attention. Uh, Three times right in a row. Uh, So, like, God from the very beginning is trying to tell us. You are important to me. Like, who are created in the image of me? My children, right? A lot of them look just like me. Uh, the ones who don't, we don't talk about. But, uh, but you know, my kids look just like me. They're right image bearers. <laughs> I love them with a deep passion. And I believe that's what God's trying to articulate from the very beginning. He loves us. He cares for us. Uh, and, you know, and... This whole idea that, you know, God hates us and uh, I I just can't get I can't get down with that personally. That's just not what I see when I read the the scriptures. Uh, but uh, yeah. but yeah, so so that kind of thread is I, I still throw out the book as we look at different narratives and, uh, you know, how they speak to this idea in our lives. Yeah. You know, there's a uh, um, one of the people that I really like just listening to musically, uh, one of the groups, but then also just uh, they have a podcast as well is uh, Jonathan and Melissa Helser. Um, and they have a they, Melissa Helser has um, just a lot. She had an episode that I listened to maybe a year or so 
though, uh, just about this concept of identity and what it means. And she had a, a pretty significant health issue as she was growing up um, that was just constant. And people would try to tell her, like, you know, you know, just, you know, move away from it and just for trying to forget about it or whatever. But, you know, she was trying to just say, like, you know, in me, like, this is who God has made me to be. And so, like, what I want to do is I want to be focused on who God says I am, not who someone else says that I am. Um, mm-hmm. And that was that was really profound for me specifically um, was, you know, just in encouraging other people as a pastor. But then even beyond that, like for my own life specifically, just to say, like, you know, this person says that I did this or this person says that I'm not good at this or that. And I don't believe that. I don't believe that that's where God put me. And so. I'm going to focus in on what God says I am and who God has made me to be. And what I want to do is I want to know as much as I possibly can what God is saying that I am. Like, who is God saying I am is more important to me than who anyone else says I am. And I think a lot of times we in this world focus a lot on what other people say we are. You know, like, oh, this person, and even if it's even if it's life-bringing, I think sometimes those things can be good things. Someone can say, man, you're just such a great singer. But, like, you know, maybe we don't know that, like, in the past, like, someone kind of forced us to start singing. We don't really even like singing. And so we're doing it all the time, but that's not really who God even says we are. And I think sometimes we mix up good comments that, like, Christian people and nice people will say to us with, like, who God really says we are without ever actually pursuing that. Like, can you give— uh, a couple thoughts, like either make, just from your book, uh, and I don't want you to give away too much of your book because we want people to buy your book. Um, but like, can you give some thoughts about like maybe like some of the ways that we can be begin living in the identity that God has given us? Like, how can we find that? And like, what are some things we can do to begin living that life? Yeah. Uh, you know, I talk about this mainly in the first <clears throat> chapter. I, I do like a big summary of identity. And really, anything that you can think of in life can become our identity. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, so, so, like, someone gives you a compliment, or you could be like, "Yes, well, my image becomes my identity, right?" But you know, as we know, things can change instantly. Uh, yeah. And uh, like our jobs, our kids, like you name it. It's so easy for those things to just, uh, and that's the whole premise behind the hidden face, is that we layer these faces upon ourselves, hiding our true image, who God created us to be. And, you know, what I really think we need to do is, you know, have that, we put on the image of Christ. And so everything gets filtered through through that. Uh, you know, like you talk about music. Well, yeah, so you could be a great singer. You could end up defining yourself on that. Maybe you become famous, but as we know, that career could be over like that. Yeah. And uh, suddenly you're not as popular. Suddenly, well, if your identity is tied to those things, you, you built it on sinking sand. Uh, yeah. You, you know, you. I think it was it uh, Lionel Richie. He lost his voice for years. He couldn't sing. Um, yeah. And, you know, like if your identity is built upon those type things, anything that's perishable, it it could crumble in an instant. Uh, But the one thing that remains, the one thing that never fails is Jesus. 
what he has done for us, who has declared us, who he has given himself, like the fact that he gave himself for us. Uh, you know, these things I can root myself in. They do not change. They do not waver. And uh, whether I am good or whether I am bad, whether I'm good enough, whether I meet expectations, it all has to filter through who Christ has said I am. Yeah. And, and so that's really the anchor. That's the cement that I uh, I need to stand on. Yeah. yeah. And you give you give this really cool like so I know for me, sometimes I, I can be more uh, visual, like when I see something, it really helps me. And in that chapter, you gave like a visual aid that I thought was really helpful. Uh, kind of going along with what you're talking about. It was like, what it was like a circle and the main circle in the middle said self and it was like like us and then there was a bigger circle around that and then there was like all this different stuff you know whatever it could be that that makes up your identity um and i think you even referred to it as the circle of life which i i really like your circle of life which i really like because i'm a lion king fan but uh yeah. <laughs> and then so you have different stuff out there like sexuality, possessions, interests, status, desires, family, finances, you know, all these things. But then you, you draw another circle um, where it's still the same thing, but now the self-circle is enclosed inside of another circle that says Christ. So, so just so people – so I'm clear. Imagine kind of like a, a bullseye. In the middle says self. In the next circle out says Christ. And then all the other stuff um, – you know, kind of surrounds that. So I really, I really liked that uh, as a visual aid. That was, that was helpful for me. Yeah. Pictures are good. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so I made sure there's pictures in every chapter just so, uh, just for the ADD people. Yeah. No, <laughs> like the, myself. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. The, the, um, the pictures are, you know, we're super helpful. Um, and I like them also too, like one thing that, um, I mean, this is kind of off topic, but, and you said ADD, so I'm jumping around here, but another thing that is in your book as well, uh, that was helpful is like you have these discussion questions and stuff at the end, um, of each chapter, which I think is helpful for people who like the journal, uh, to kind of take this seriously, but also I can kind of see this being used as like, uh, in groups. Like, I think this would be a great tool for, um, you know, somebody who's like a youth pastor, or just a pastor in general, that kind of wants to lead this as like a small group um, kind of study as well. It's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. I, I think especially topics like this and deeply personal things, uh, too often we wrestle with them alone. And we need to bring other people into the process. Uh, we need them to speak yeah. into our life. They need them to hold us accountable. And... Uh, so I do think there's benefit to going through it alone, obviously. Uh, I think uh, that's why I put those questions there, because I just believe that these issues, uh, we need to verbalize some of this stuff. You know, confession is good. Uh, confessing where, where we are weak so others can actually help and lift us up. Because uh, yeah. I, I think so many times we're compensating in life. We're, we're trying to compensate for whatever brokenness is inside of us. And other people look at us and they're like, oh, well, they're just being selfish or they're just being arrogant. Uh, when we're really just trying to compensate. If we have people who know deep, deeply what's happening in us, they, they can help us through and help us see those weaknesses and see what's going on in our life. Uh, and I try to make them super simple questions too, but uh, and just for reflection and stuff. But that's really my hope. Yeah, 
Well, I think I think the other thing too that I'd be interested in hearing from you, and you know, I think you you definitely. Uh, not that I don't want to know about the book, but again, I don't want to get, I don't want you to have to give away too much, but um, maybe just speaking into it on your own, just like from your own words and like maybe even from the, the sermon series that you taught, you know, um, what are some of the, like, what are some of the dangers you think people face uh, when they're seeking identity? And, you know, and, and I think like, I think there's the basic of like finding it in the wrong place or like placing it in the wrong people or those kinds of things. But I think maybe just maybe if you could like go a little bit deeper into that, like what are some dangers that people might run into or like things that they might place their identity in um, that maybe seem good, but then wind up. I mean, we, we kind of talked on that a little bit with like singing or, you know, things you might like, but like, for instance, like, is it possible to um, place our identity in something that, that we um, are doing for the Lord? Um, and it initially is something that we're doing in God's honor, but then it kind of changes. Like, is that something that you kind of like talk about and maybe just give some thoughts on that too? Yeah, for sure. You know, I think, uh, like as a pastor, uh, and, uh, you guys, have you ever gone to a pastor's conference? Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and have you ever listened to people talk and, uh, you know, it's clear that there's some jealousy going on, yeah. uh, behind the scenes and, people comparing things and I, I think uh, I, I think that's a huge danger. We end up defining ourselves by by how gifted we are in ministry. Uh, but I write specifically about this. It's my it's my favorite chapter in the book on how we can define ourselves by our calling. Mm. Yeah. And uh, we can define ourselves by what God has called us to do. And then but, but sorry to rewind that a little bit, but it's really not what God has called us to do. It's our idea of what we think God has called us to do. So God could call us to uh, like, so I believe God called me to plant a church. So the church I work at, I started four years ago. Um, but then I, I have an idea of what I think it looks like for me to plant that church in the calling that God's called me to. And that can become an idol in our life, and it can become the thing we define ourselves. And then suddenly it doesn't look quite like how we think it's going to look, right? So suddenly there's a hiccup in a road. Yeah. Or suddenly, uh, you know, I, I talk about uh, in Chapter 9 some of the stresses that can happen when you're doing, you know, a portable church, uh, church bank kind of thing, and when everything isn't done right, you just want to control it. Uh, you end up controlling the call. You become the driving force of the call. Mm. And I think we've probably seen too many times in the news where where pastors have put the whole weight of the calling upon themselves and said, I am doing this for God, um, and and not realizing that they are allowing their success and their determination, their ability, how they think it should look to define to define who they are. Mm. And so you end up you end up with like two sides, people straining and stressing so hard and their life just begins to crumble and they begin to compensate with other things. Or people feel like total failures because they're not achieving this thing for God. Uh, but it's really about doing it with God. Yeah. And so, yeah, chapter I really talk about the story of Abraham and 
and maybe take a different look and spin on that kind of story. Yeah, no, I think I think that's so interesting because I mean, you kind of you use this this language um, to me. It, it it almost seems like an idolatry issue, like that that we we take our. I think the chapter's called yeah, the call becomes God. <laughs> so we take this call that God has put in our life, and then we put our identity there, and then that becomes God. And you have you have this uh, quote, um, you know, on your book in that chapter where it says, uh, "Have you ever known a person?" who allowed the importance of what God has called them to do eclipse the God who called them to do it. Maybe you have done it. I know for me, it's something that I often struggle with. Um, that really like jumped off the page at me <laughs> when I read it uh, because I've never like literally never thought about calling in that way before. Like I never thought about how perhaps um, you know, cause obviously I feel called to, to ministry. I feel called to, to student ministry, but I never thought about how I can wrap my identity up in that as, okay, I'm, I'm Josh Patterson, the youth pastor, um, rather than I'm Josh Patterson, you know, a beloved child of God, I'm Josh Patterson, an image bearer. Um, and then that very call can become an idol and we worship it. And then like you, you say, when, when, um, we start to have issues or, you know, maybe our church attendance numbers aren't really great or, you know, we preach a sermon and people didn't like it or whatever it is. Since our identity is so wrapped up in Josh is the pastor or Josh is the youth pastor or Marty's the, the worship pastor um, and those things start to crumble, like we, we do stupid stuff. <laughs> and I think you diagnosed yeah. that so well. I think that was really cool. I, I never thought about it that way before. So I, I appreciated that. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, I like I, I've had seasons in my life where you know I I was away from ministry for about a year. Okay. And you know, and I've been doing I've been doing this full time since I was 22 like, after I graduated school. So you know, it's been uh, 13 years. And so in that season, how am I defining myself? You know, I'm not the pastor anymore. Right. I'm not leading people. I wasn't speaking. I'm a music guy. I wasn't leading worship anywhere. I was just sitting in the seat, taking part of the service. And so if I begin to define myself by what God called me to, which I believe he called me to ministry, but here I am in a season where I'm just kind of seeing what's next, man, it is so easy for uh, for us to like descend down a dangerous road of I'm worthless, I'm nothing, mm. you know, I can't do anything. And, you know, maybe God has called you to ministry, but it doesn't mean he's called you to uh, a world stage. Or it may mean that the ministry doesn't look like full-time vocational ministry. It could look a little bit different because what – we think God's call us to isn't always exactly the picture that God has in his mind when he calls us. Uh, so, yeah. So one thing too, cause like, so this book, uh, one thing I appreciate too is like, uh, you're pretty like open and honest about like yourself. Um, and a chapter that stood out to me as well. And, and you mentioned it was, was chapter nine, uh, where you're talking about anger. Um, and that's something that like personally resonated with me, I know in college, definitely anger was a, a much bigger issue for me. 
Um, and my, my good friend Brandon and I, we kind of worked together uh, through those things. Um, you know, we would help each other. But you talk about how anger um, isn't a face, you know, even though we can wear it all over, but anger actually appears when one of our hidden faces is exposed. And so can you just kind of like uh, share with us, like, what do you mean by that? But then also like, how has, has that impacted you personally? Like what kind of advice might you give um, for someone like me who, who anger was, you know, was a, a legit issue or maybe still is. Yeah. Yeah. Like when I talk about this, it definitely is from personal experience. Um, you know, we, we have these faces that we put on. So whether they be emotions, compensations, trying to put on a layer to look a certain way, uh, whether it be our calling or whatever, we put these faces on, but suddenly when they start to begin to be peeled away, we will do anything we can to make sure that we are not exposed mm. for who we think we are in our brokenness that we are trying to cover and compensate for. And, you know, so for me, <coughs> again, uh, I, I talk about in that that chapter specifically, like, Church planting, one, is stressful. Like, <laughs> oh, I bet. <laughs> you know, besides everything, it's stressful. And, and I'm also, like, I'm uh, a worship and creative arts major. So, you know, I like things to look a certain way on the stage. It's got to sound a certain way. And when you're hauling gear, you know, there's bound to be something that doesn't work at some point. You know, a light, a microphone, a computer. Uh, people don't show up to set up. And, you know, I created this lie in my mind that if I don't have my church look a certain way, when people come in, when people see things, that, well, no one's going to see who Jesus is. Mm. And so while I want to do in the barriers, you know, really when we boil it down to, I like to say that what I just said was the actual reason. But really, I didn't want them to look at me and think, oh, well, you know, he doesn't, he's a failure or he's not good enough or he's not working hard enough or he's not trying. And so you, you sense that the masks being kind of peeled away. And so with every ounce of strength, you're trying to compensate for that. And, uh, and for me, and I think for a lot of people that, manifest as anger we want to control the narrative uh we want to control how people see us and uh really there's two types of people people who have to live up to the expectation that others have for them and people who want to project the picture of who they are and have people believe that and i know i personally fall into the latter are listening to the theology doesn't suck podcast. dude marty no that's people don't want to hear it that way man it has to be it has what? to be more enthusiastic like this do you love theology doesn't suck have you been listening to this show because you truly believe theology doesn't suck the, no dude what dude that's that's like 
That's it's so nerdy. Like people are like people don't think that's genuine, man. That sounds so weird. It needs to be something like this. It needs to be like, you know, hey guys, like I don't know if you realize, but we have a patron feed and it's it's so awesome because like you get a lot of really cool stuff and you just like you just have to give us some yeah, money. Yeah, but we can't just straight up be like, "Hey yo, give us your money" cuz that's like people don't want to do that either. It's disrespectful to our listeners. Okay, okay, so how about we do something like this? How about we do, like, hey guys, it's Josh and Marty from Theology Doesn't Suck podcast, and, you know, here's the thing. We love doing this podcast, but, you know, as you probably know, it takes a lot of effort, and, like, we've got an awesome guy behind the scenes named Matt who does, like, all of our awesome editing and all that stuff, and, you know, it takes equipment and time, and so, like, you know, one of the things that we love about today's day and age is that there could be people out there that love our show so much that you just want to support us and so josh we started this awesome patron feed and like josh how, how can they find it like what, what kind of stuff should they look oh, for well yeah and then we, we well we could tell them then like hey go to patreon.com slash theology doesn't suck and whereas for as little as one dollar a month right you could become a patron uh, and we have some different you know we could tell them about the different tiers you know, where, where some tiers gives you access to a, a Facebook group specifically for patrons that allows you to do things like submit questions to be asked on episodes, uh, submit questions for bonus content, which, hey, bonus content is a part of another tier, some bonus episodes that are, you know, close to the public. So we could tell them those kind of things, right? Yeah. And, and one of the things we could do, which would be really cool, Josh, is like every once in a while, just because we're really good people, we could like send them stuff either digitally or like through actual mail. That's kind of cool. Like, you know, like I play in a band. So like, what if we come up with a CD and like, we've got a CD and I just want to send it to oh, yeah, or something, you know, like, you know, like that's another cool idea. So like, you know, maybe that could be like some of the higher tiers. So like they would, you know, they would never know that something cool was coming, but then like, Hey, surprise, this is coming to you. Yeah, no, that's a good idea. And like, we could say like Christmas cards, cute stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That, that'd be great. How about, all right, well Uh, then how about we just tell people that and, uh, yeah, hopefully they go to patreon.com slash theology doesn't suck and, uh, join our, you know, theology doesn't suck community. Uh, Josh, I think I think this is a good way for us to do this. So I think, okay, let's record this and wait. Dude, I've been recording this whole oh, time. Oh, yeah, me too. Let, oh, all right, how about this? Let's just send this to Matt and uh, we'll just go with it. Yeah. All right, all great. Right. Thanks, See guys. We love you. Back to the show. Yeah, where... And it's such, such an interesting concept to me because, I, I mean, I definitely can relate to it. Like, I remember starting to work at, you know, a, a church I used to work for, um, not the one I worked with with Marty in, but a different church. And it was an older church, um, like, just outdated. And so, like, when I went in there, I was like, man, like, we're using Microsoft Word art and, like, <laughs> <laughs> like the graphics are awful. And so, like, I have, I have a degree in graphic design. So, like, that bit, like... <coughs> I can I can relate to that like this this idea that oh if it doesn't look a certain way or if it's not not right then like oh maybe someone's not going to to see Jesus but like where do we where do we draw the line of like cuz there has to be some truth there right like obviously you don't want to be putting out something that's not good but how how do you navigate that tightrope of like um this is 
you know, I'm putting my best foot forward for Jesus versus like, I'm going to wrap up my identity in, uh, like the sound or the lighting or the graphics or the music or whatever. Like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, I feel like there's a a tightrope that needs to be walked there. And like, do you know maybe how, how to go about doing that? Yeah. Like, I think it's again, having that picture from that first chapter is making sure that everything else is on the outside. Okay. That, my metrics, uh, my ability, how things look, they aren't the things that define me. And and also remembering that it doesn't define other people too because uh, okay. we can project it upon other people. And just coming, always reminding ourselves, it's Christ who who defines me. And And I think really when we get to that place where we're allowing Christ to define who we are all the time, I think we will become uh, better risk takers. Mm. You know, we will do risks better. We will we will become more creative because we're not worried about what other people. Uh, I, I don't want to say what other people think, but you know, we're not worried about them projecting some false definition of who we are on there. Okay. We're willing to express ourselves more openly. And I think it leads to better art, uh, a better life, better preaching. And so I think I think it is important. We want people to see who Jesus is. So for my church, I want to limit the amount of mistakes that happen. But I also have to recognize I'm not perfect, and mistakes are going to happen. And if they do, it's I can lean back on and fall on Christ. He is the one who does it. So it's like, yeah, you make up a, let's take your graphic, right? You make up graphics and it turns out they actually really suck. (laughs) Yeah. No one likes them. That's definitely happened They're horrible. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But you're able to say, okay, well, I'll try something different or, you know, I'll do something different, but it doesn't change who I am. And I think it really is a thing of the mind. We have to remind ourselves continually every day. Okay. I talk about that in uh, like chapter two, how I think Jacob had some self-talk every morning when he woke up. You know, I'm more than a conqueror in Christ. I'm more <laughs> than a conqueror in Christ, right? Like, uh, I am a victor, you know, uh, things like that. Yeah. And Josh, you and I are the same age, so you, you, I'm sure, I'm sure this, this may – bring up some old memories for you, but I remember Stuart Smalley used to say, you know, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And doggone it. People like me on a, on a, on a Saturday night live. It was always something that I just liked. Um, yeah. but then it was like, you know, it was obviously that's finding identity in like, <laughs> in something different, but that was just kind of what you just reminded me of. But, um, but, uh, one, another thing that I, I was just kind of looking over your website a little bit because I like checking out websites and, uh, just reading like kind of what make people who they are. And, uh, one of the things that I really liked about uh, the way the book was put together and then just kind of realized it, that you actually did something creative with it, which makes sense being a creative like I looking for ways outside the box is um, you actually uh, you you reference music and songs throughout the whole book um, in just different ways. Like, you know, like this song, I, you know, here's a great here's a great song to listen to with identity or how to how to worship how to work through that that issue or that you know whatever that might be, and so you actually on your website joshtrombley.com, um, on, under the under the book uh, heading at the top you actually have a playlist that people can click on 
and listen to those songs. And so, like, can you talk about, like, you know, again, like, you know, give us maybe some of like what those songs are, but then also talk about just like what was the idea behind that and how did you come to because that's a great idea. Just I'm curious about that. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm just trying to find the playlist on here. Uh, I did it in Apple Music because, uh, you know, I'm an Apple guy. That's Amen. the way the world should be. It's the way of the Lord. <laughs> yeah. So, so basically what I did, I referenced a whole bunch of songs in the book. Uh, but then I took some other songs that spoke to uh, – that, that really just spoke to the theme of the book of each chapter. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, like there, I have stuff like uh, U2 on there and there's Hillsong, I Need to Breathe. You get some uh, – you get to have some Lauren Daigle on there, right? Like yeah, that's a whole book identity. Yeah. Uh, you know, but then, you know, I got to have some guilty pleasures like Nick Jonas and and, uh, <laughs> and Phil nice. Collins and 30 Seconds to Mars. So just a smorgasbord of different songs that just really articulate uh, the theme of of each chapter as well as stuff, you know, reference. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, it's actually my wife's idea. I'd like to take <laughs> for it but she's like you know you should just do a play- playlist so uh I, I committed to doing two blogs a week which it turns out is actually a lot yeah. so i'm always thankful for these ideas my wife throws at me uh so you know that one was really fun to go because like i don't know about you um, but I'm a little also obsessive compulsive oh me and absolutely so, <laughs> yeah I have to listen through all the songs in my iTunes and I have to rate them. <laughs> and so this gave me an excuse to like just dive in and listen to like a whole bunch of music nice. and tell my kids, no, like I'm working right now. You can't, uh, <laughs> nice. you can't bother. Nice. I'm working now. But yeah. Well, so have you, I, I'd be curious, like this may be a little bit of outside the box thinking, uh, but again, it's my creative mind just like running with something. Um, so since since you've had people reading the book, have you found, has there been any testimonies specifically, and maybe not like directly testimonies, but people just sharing with you like how music specifically helped them like not only read through the book, but just like how it affected them as they were reading? Like has anyone shared anything like that with you? And is that something that you'd be willing to share with us? I would be more than willing to share with you, but... I haven't heard anyone okay. talk about All right, yeah. Other than, like, you know, people have found it relatable. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the fact just that quoting, quoting maybe songs that they know, uh, it just it, it helps them yeah, relate to the subject matter to, to kind of sure. bring sure. it out to them. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I find that music obviously speaks so much to, like, I mean – I, I was talking about this with someone else recently. Like you don't, um, you don't have to be an emotive person to allow music to speak into your life. I think you can be someone that just appreciates music in general. And like mm-hmm. a lot of times that just, I mean, that just helps. I mean, I think people sometimes don't even realize how much music helps as we kind of work through different things and find different ways to approach stuff. And then all of a sudden we're listening to this song and then like we like, it's like we find the answer or like it makes more sense to us. And I think people 
who are creative and emotive realize the connection. And I think other people don't realize that connection. But I think with this thought about identity, I think, you know, a lot of times with hidden faces, as you're talking about, like, you know, the idea just falls in. Like sometimes we, we may not even realize that we're that we're doing something in a specific way. But then a song could take us there and we could say, oh, my gosh, I had no idea that I was placing my identity uh, in, in something else. But when I hear Brooke, Brooke LeGert would sing, I am who you say I am, it just like totally changes my my perspective and it helps me to understand. So I, I just I really liked that idea and how you put that together. That was really great. So good job to your wife. <laughs> yeah. That's you. Well, it can be so hard to articulate like our feelings sometimes I know like especially as a guy right like yeah for me to talk it but you know I could sing it or, or uh, you know a song comes on the radio and it stirs you you yeah. know sometimes other people's words can really speak to uh to what's going on inside of us uh so sure. you know like so music's so important there you know one person who keeps my mom I gotta say my mom on Facebook. Oh, this reminds me of your book every time she shares a song on Facebook for the world. You know, nice. no bigger promoter than your mom. That's uh, awesome. Which is, yeah. which is yeah. great when you're, uh, yeah, when you're older. <laughs> no, so to, um, not to, not to steer away from the, the music bit, but like just there's, there's like kind of like a buzzword that you talk about. And I think in a way that's, that's really helpful um, in your book. And it's also, I mean, it's towards the end, it's something that, uh, Marty and I like to strive for on uh, this podcast, but like I think you did a really again like you a lot of times I feel like you take things and then you like come at them from a different angle or like kind of flip them and I really I like that and appreciate that and you did that with this buzzword called authenticity um, and you have you have this little paragraph here uh, if you don't mind um, I want to read it I don't know is is that against um, like copyright laws or something. <laughs> No, it's not. Okay. Oh, love it. Cool. So, so you wrote, <laughs> you wrote, authenticity isn't wrong. In fact, I believe it's something to strive for. However, we must be willing to admit that the things to which we're being authentic, our desires, feelings, ambitions, and wants, is broken. And so, I never, I never thought about it this way before. Like, because clearly, when we talk about, okay, you know, we want to be authentic, we want to be our true selves. And then um, sometimes when we do that, it opens up these things in our life uh, that are are broken. And then you continue to go on to say, just as we saw in the preface, McManus rightly points out, quote, when calling for authenticity, we need to take seriously the brokenness and sinfulness of the human heart. If to be authentic means to be who we really are or to express what we really feel, then in most cases, I'm going to vote for hypocrisy. And then you say, not that we should strive for hypocrisy, but we should strive to put on Christ and allow him to then inform our behaviors and actions. And as we do that, Jesus changes us into something worth being authentic to. And so what I really like about that is you take this idea of authenticity, which often when we think about that, that means, okay, for me, if I'm going to be authentic with my students, that means that, you know, I might... Uh, say a swear word every once in a while, like in a sermon, because like, that's just how I talk sometimes. Or, you know, I'm going to tell them, you know, whatever these things are. And and they're all different things uh, that are broken and often can look like hypocrisy, which I I never thought about it that way. But what you, what it seems like you're trying to do is call us back to finding, I mean, it's what the book's about, our identity in Christ, 
and then <clears throat> being authentic to that because if we're if if we go back to the how we started in Genesis, that is our true identity is a is a, a child of God, an image bearer of God, and that is something worth being authentic to. So um, I don't know. That was kind of like a like a paradigm shift for me, and so I thought that was that was really well said. Yeah, like I'm sure we've all seen those Facebook rants. You know, someone was at Walmart and someone said something to them in the line, and then they go online and they have this freak out. And but and their argument is, well, I'm just being authentic, right? I'm just expressing my hurts and stuff. But we have to realize that. Every time we interact with a person, every time we hear something, that that is all filtered through our experiences and our brokenness in life. And we don't ex- we don't filter it through through uh, yeah through who Christ has said we are. I I'm finding more and more that the word authenticity is becoming a license for people to do and say whatever they want. Uh, not caring about the collateral damage, um, yeah. you know. But but there are consequences consequences for our actions relationally. Uh, so uh, so yeah, I, you know, authenticity is important. We just have to remember that our authenticity is laced with brokenness, and we need to strive for that to be reflected in who Christ has said we are. Everything needs to. Again, filter through that. So there's times I think things, like my wife will laugh um, at me saying this, but there's times I think things and I don't say them. She thinks I say everything that just pops into my head. My wife thinks uh, that about me too. Maybe it's a Josh yeah. thing. Maybe it's a Josh well, thing. Well, here's, here's what the hope your wife can take uh, in half is that you know, I'm like, what, 10 years older than you? Yeah. And uh, it's only a little bit better. It's only a little <laughs> bit better. You know, my, my wife says that the filter holes were really big and they've just gotten slightly smaller. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but it, it's progress, right? It's progress, right? But, you know, uh, what was I saying? That's some authenticity. <laughs> um, <laughs> me just rambling on about all my emotions that isn't actual authenticity but me expressing the brokenness that those emotions speak to that that is authenticity like you know hey with the lady at walmart she said something to me i could go on a rant about how she's this that and the other thing well that one that's not seeing her as a child of god mm. but that's and that's not me being authentic. Authenticity would be me saying, you know, this lady at Walmart said something to me. And it reminded me of the brokenness in my past when this parent or this friend or this teacher spoke something over my life. And uh, and, and the word I use in the book is echo, right? And, and how what this lady said in the Walmart line is just echoing those words to me. Yeah. Right? I... I you know, I don't want to get all sappy spiritual, but <laughs> go for man, it. I, 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 uh, I, I just think, man, our world needs a dose of who Jesus has declared we are, and also realizing that He's declared the same thing over others too. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
mm-hmm. I, I think I really, I, I just, I really liked that. And as I read that, I really liked that too. And, and part of what I liked about it was just, um, you know, just how, well, for one, I think just, I mean, if you just remove the spiritual from it, which I think sometimes people say, and it's like kind of an impossible thing to do really, if you think about it. But I mean, just for a moment, if you just, you know, theoretically say, let's remove the spiritual from that. I think like what you get in that is in, is someone choosing to see joy in a situation that would have been bad. You know, like, you know, someone, someone says something to you in the, in the Walmart checkout line and it just really makes you upset, but that you are able to, you know, have the the mindset to be able to say that reminds me of a, pl- a way, a place that I was at before. And then, but it also reminded me of what someone spoke into my life in that moment and like how I was able to move past that personally and just know that the place that I'm at is just at a different place than this person's at. Or even just to be able to say like, man, like something was be going on in that person's life. And like, I mean, as pastors, I think sometimes we uh, we preach to our people to look for opportunities to be a light in people's life. Uh, but then oftentimes we miss them. <laughs> yeah, often, so often, true. yeah. Or oftentimes like we say like, Hey, always be on the lookout. But then like, we think like, you know, like, man, like I'm always a pastor. And so like, now that I'm at Walmart, like, I just want to get my, my Red Bull and Sour Patch kids and like, go get back in my car <laughs> and, and go home. Like, How'd I don't, you go to I Walmart don't, I don't, for? <laughs> I, I, went, I got I bought Red Bull and Sour Patch Kids at Walmart yesterday, so that's why I was thinking that. Okay, um, but like, um, like it, I think sometimes we say like I just I I don't want to fo- I, I want to take a moment off of being a person like that. Yeah, and I just want to be I don't want to think ministry. I don't want to think pastoral. I just want to think of myself right now. But I think sometimes we miss those moments, and so I think to be authentic in that is to say like. That is actually like saying I'm not going to be pastoral in this moment or I'm not just going to be loving in this moment. We're actually not being authentically who God has called us to be if we're called to be pastors, if we're called to be ministers, if we're called to be in ministry. And I mean, I would I would argue that like someone that serves on the worship team as a volunteer is in ministry. Um, they just have a different vocation, but they're in ministry. Yeah. And so when, you know, when my buddy Ken is playing guitar on the worship team on a Sunday and like the night before is out at Walmart and something like we were just talking about happens, like (laughs) he's in ministry and his actual authentic calling is to be ministerial to this person, um, either in not responding in a negative way and not ranting about it on Facebook and just kind of being that light in life and kind of choosing joy. So, I I mean, I just really like that because I think that that is something that, you know, if we remove the spiritual, it's just like, Oh yeah, well, I just, I'm going to choose joy. But if, if we, if we were, if we retain what God has asked us to be, and that's just thinking in in like a ministry and pastoral mindset at all times, like it gives us that opportunity to be a light in the in the world for other people and to be different image bearers uh, than like what most people are. Most people are walking around with like this sense of anger, this sense of frustration, this sense of, you know, man, like traffic sucked today and I hated <laughs> it. And like that was terrible. And like I had to sit in that and that guy who did that one thing in the car, man, what an idiot. And like that guy, you know, he, he, he gave the, he, he, he flipped the bird to someone and they were kind of yelling and like, man, people are idiots. And like, we have that mindset, but like, we would never say it about ourselves, <laughs> but we would certainly say it about others. But I think like to think pastorally, I don't think needs to be reserved to pastors. I think it's everyone that is living in that image of Christ. 
Um, so I just, I really like that and appreciated what you had to say about that for sure. Yeah. We all need to, you know, that same brokenness that we filter stuff through, we have to remember other people are filtering it, right. their mm-hmm. stuff too, mm-hmm. right? So it's not just, oh man, that expressed brokenness in me, but uh, to really take on that pastoral gift, which, you know, I always admit that is not my strong suit, you okay. know, and it, like spiritual gift has mercy is like the bottom of the list. Uh, <laughs> seriously, uh, it's it's a struggle in my life. I'm working on it, though. Uh, but, uh, you know, but realize that when that person expressed themselves to me, what brokenness is in their life? Right. And suddenly, suddenly when you're able to see that other people are expressing themselves of the brokenness, you're able to give grace because yeah. you realize, oh, man, I... I express myself with a brokenness too. Like, you know, all this stuff is, it's so connected to, uh, to each other. And I, I really think that when we begin to define ourselves who Christ is, we'll be able to see others as that, which means we'll become more loving. We'll become better grace bearers. And, uh, to use an NT right word, really walk in the vocation that God has called us. Nice. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. And now cool. Josh is preaching. Um, (laughs) I dig it. No, the, the, but I think what you're saying is so beautiful too, because I think often part of what you're saying right now is an element of the gospel that we often leave out. Like we just think that, Oh, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. So like we did some bad things and now we're good, but also it's so much bigger than that. Because all of us do have these areas in our life of brokenness, whether they're things that, uh, you know, and sometimes they're things that have been done to us or have have happened to us with, with no fault of anybody, but we need freedom from that as well. Like, and, and Jesus came to, to give us freedom from those things by telling us who we are and whose we are. Um, and so I think that's, that's really great. But um, just real quick to, to touch on something uh, like personally that I, that I liked as well, uh, that was helpful was the echoes bit. And we were talking about this a little bit a couple minutes ago, but like, as I'm now serving in a church that is like more healthy and having a positive experience, um, these echoes from my past to use your words, echoes of the past, um, keep coming up and like, keep like saying negative things to me. And it's, it can be like paralyzing, um, you know, from my past experiences in ministry and just this idea of, of just, I mean, and it, it sounds basic, but again, like it's so important, like, and, and you wrote a whole book about it, grounding my identity in Christ and who God says I am and forget like this nonsense, the, these fools from my past, uh, kind of thing, um, has been helpful. And, and what I wanted to point out too, is though that, that it's not always easy to do like, um, you know, it's, it's not easy to remember uh, that our identity is in Christ. And I don't, I think it might get easier, but like, it's, it's not always like an easy thing to do. Um, for sure. Yeah. Do you know, like, I think it's a battle that we will always, always struggle with. I, I think, cause that, I believe that's the one lie that we believe it's the one sin and we just continue to wrestle that until uh, until you know until we no longer wrestle, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like you know, my grandmother. I you know, 
grandmother great as well. She read my book. She's in my late, her late 80s. And she's like, you know, even at my age, you know, I can identify with these things. I, you know, I think we all have stuff in our life. Mm. And that's the real, that chapter, it talks about how Jacob wrestled with man and with God and how he overcame. Uh, I think that's something we need to do continually in our life is wrestle with God, wrestle with man. Um, you know, I, I share some of my story in there, you know, believing the lies. Yeah. Uh, you know, they told me I would never make it through high school cause I couldn't read well. They told me I'd never make it through college. Uh, and you know, I did, I didn't let those things stop me from doing that because yeah. mm. I couldn't read, I couldn't read good to quote Zoolander. Right. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I have to remind myself all the time that I am not those things because that is the voice in my head and it comes with all the time, you know? Uh, so like for me, again, I said those worst in creative arts when I'm doing music, you know, that is so easy for me. I can just do it. And people are like, Oh yeah. You know, like, <laughs> Yay! And I can compensate for that, or I can compensate with that. I should say that's what I mean. Compensate with that, but you know, as soon as I step out of that lane into other lanes of ministry, uh, say you're preaching and someone gives you a little critique, right? I, yeah. I'm sure no one's ever had that after preaching, <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> right? Or uh, you know, someone doesn't like your attitude. That voice from when I was in elementary school and junior high and high school, you know, that voice comes back. Oh, well, yeah, you're not good enough to make it through. Yeah. And that's something I'm going to have to always wrestle with. And I, I think uh, we will get better as we continue on through life. But it's just like anyone who has any addiction know what they must say. We are always an addict. We are always addicted mm -hmm. to falling back and leaning on those things, uh, leaning on, um, on uh, allowing those things to become idols in our life, to be those, the things that define us. Uh, we want to go back there. So we have to always remind ourselves, yeah, I'm addicted to selfishness. I'm addicted to those things. And we continually tell ourselves, but I am not that. I'm a child of God. Mm. Right? I don't have to go back there. I'm a child of God. I don't need to compensate. I'm a child of God. I don't need to feed my flesh to feel better. No, I'm a child of God. And we walk in that. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, yeah that's really good. And I think too, like, um, it reminds me, <laughs> it reminds me of like this meme um, that's like, and I'm not trying to write off what you said. Cause I think you're, it's exactly right. But this, this, I'm like, I said, I'm so visual. This kind of came to mind. Have you seen the Incredibles? You know, like yes. the, the lady that makes the, the suits for them. There's like, yeah. there's like a meme of like her hitting someone back and forth across the faith with the newspaper saying like, you are a child of God. Like, <laughs> you know, so I think about that and I think it, it ties in, you know, with what you're saying. Cause um, like that's just constantly, I feel like the message, um, that we see through Jesus that we find in our Bible, like you are a child of God, you're a child of God. And, um, sometimes like 
you know, maybe Jesus does want to like hit us across the face with the newspaper a couple times. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe yeah. not. Maybe not because the, you know, <laughs> the whole nonviolence thing. And I would ascribe to that as well. But I just, I don't know. I think that's super helpful. And you see my brain is weird and I think of stuff like that. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, man, is there like, is there anything like that you really just want uh, people listening to this to hear like one thing that they need to take away or like one thing we didn't talk about that like you're like man I really wish we did like what is like is there something you just like boom mic drop Josh Tremblay peace out like do you have something like that you want to share well I don't know if it's something that we uh, haven't covered but you know I just really want to uh, make clear to people that you know they are not their past they are not mm. things that happen to them. They are not the things that are done to them. Uh, God loves them, and he loved them so much that he came himself to give himself for us. Uh, and he loved us so much that he didn't abandon us, but he sent his Holy Spirit to to come and make our lives uh, temples of God. Uh, he wants to be in a relationship with us, and uh, he loves us, and we belong to him, and we need to just always, always remember that. Uh, so that's that's uh, that's as both that's as close as to a mock mic drop as I uh, I'm gonna get right now. But I'm sure Cool Amen. Josh Cool Josh knows that a mic drop is actually a really bad thing for the microphone. <laughs> so it is very bad. Yes, <laughs> you know Josh. I have- Microphones it has a yeah. dent in it. Oh, I actually uh, recently purchased a microphone for myself. Um, it's sort of like one of those microphones. So I'm a worship pastor by by vocation, and I said, you know, you know, for the most part, I've been using just like standard microphones. And then I moved to this church, and they bought a really nice microphone. Uh, but then I was like, you know, I want one that like that'll be mine that I could use for church, but I could also use for other things. And so I've even being a a total germaphobe. Uh, I took a chance on buying a used Neumann microphone, the Neumann KMS 105, and it's like normally like way too expensive for most people, but it was used, and so the price was like kind of reasonable. <laughs> and uh, it's just been one of those. So I sterilized the heck out of it, like I like soaked the like the like the the screw on capsule part in like like ammonia, <laughs> like totally made sure there were no germs because I am a I'm like Josh, I don't share drinks with my wife i don't share food or drinks yeah. or anything with my amen. kids like amen just, marty do how it. do you have children like literally actually my kids, don't answer that question no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah like well, TMI. Um, yeah yeah I, like i honestly just like i can't share anything and it's something like for some people they get like disappointed they're like oh i just you know like i feel like it's you're like saying something about me and it's like no this has nothing to do with you it's all about me like i just have such a problem with i'm just telling you like it is i'm just telling you the truth but like honestly so i bought this microphone and like literally soaked it was not so those of you who are listening that are like know that know things about microphones. I did not soak like the actual microphone capsule, <laughs> with, like the microphone itself in ammonia. I'm just talking about like the screw off, like the whatever they call it, like the guard, like that part that screws off. There's no electrical components whatsoever in it. Just so you're clear, I'm not an idiot. I just I didn't want to have the germs, so I just so but. Uh, um, I, so if someone said to me like, "Hey man, can I can I do a mic drop with your microphone?" Uh, I would probably have a heart attack. <laughs> so yeah. microphones are gross. 
Yeah. I know. So, I put my, my I put my mouth all over one. I was one time doing music at a church, and uh, it was this old church, and they had one of those foam things that they put on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't realize, you know, my mouth was up against it the whole time. I'm singing. And all of a sudden, halfway through one of the songs, I started began uh, began to choke violently. I'd eaten a hole through the foam, <laughs> and so there was like blue dust all over my face. And I'm like, I kept playing, I kept playing, but I'm like, Ugh, Ugh, and yeah, I yeah. Uh, tried not to like throw up on stage and yeah. a bright red with blue dust all over oh me. Yeah. yeah, like so, there's, it's there's... good that you realized it. Yeah, there's there's nothing worse than that moment. And Josh Patterson, probably you know, uh, non cool hockey team Josh probably doesn't know what this is like. But when you're singing and like you're kind of into it, and you're because they tell you like you know like the, the proper way to use a microphone is to get up on it. Like you know, don't sing way off of the microphone or whatever. And so I'm up on the microphone, and like the worst thing that can ever happen is as you go to like pronounce a word, your tongue comes out of your mouth like you like you're really speaking. <laughs> And you lick the microphone. That's <laughs> so gross. It never tastes good. Like I literally like you like put like spitting things out. Like not during the worship service. Later on, like. <laughs> well, this happened to me during the service. It was oh, not good. But, yeah. <laughs> That's insane. Uh, yes. <laughs> cool. All right, man. Well, uh, hopefully you enjoyed your time with us today. I, I know I really yeah, enjoyed our great. conversation and. Yeah. Um, for sure, what we're going to do is we'll, we'll be sure to link your book in the show notes um, because people should definitely go buy it. Uh, and also, we'll put your website there. Um, and also, do like social media and stuff. You want people, you know, plug plug whatever you, you feel like you would like to plug. Where can people find you? How can people get connected? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Instagram's a good place, and it's Joshua Tremblay. Uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm on all the things as Joshua Tremblay, <laughs> but... Uh, I don't use all of them often. It's it's yeah. Facebook and Instagram for me. So I have a book page with a discussion group if uh, people want to jump on there as well. So Yeah, and also, too, a cool thing, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm 99% sure this is true. Uh, you're also in the Theology Doesn't Suck discussion group on Facebook, so uh, our listeners can just talk with you there. After they hear this episode, sure. they can go there and, and yeah. chat with you on the, the thread we put up about your book, and that'll be really cool. So those of you who aren't in the Facebook group, you should be jealous. Yes. And yeah, join. You, you need and to join. join the group. Join the group. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I promise to interact with every single person who, uh, who wants to. So Solid. Solid, solid. Sweet. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much. I guess for us, you can also find us on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Theology Doesn't Suck. Um, you will not find us at theologydoesntsuck.com any longer because we have created a Patreon feed. So now you can find us at patreon.com slash theologydoesntsuck. Uh, there's a couple different ways that you can support the show there for as little as a dollar a month. And then, you know, there's some different tiers that go from there with some fun things like uh, bonus content, bonus episodes, opportunities to help kind of like influence like the creative direction, that kind of stuff in the show. So go check that out. Um, and we would love to, to build communi- uh, community with you in that regard. But for now, I will have to say, uh, peace out, forgive each other, remember your identity is found in Christ and in Christ alone, and go Capitals. Go Blackhawks! Go Blackhawks!